All right. Yes. Welcome back. Take two of Cap and Trade, episode 49. Yeah, I had a little technical difficulty there. I had an extra YouTube window open by accident. Wasn't paying attention. Landry warns me all the time I have too much going on. I'm just trying to do too much at once, so that's completely my fault. I appreciate all that. Um, hopefully, everybody can uh, find their way over to the new link to the new show. Got tons of get to tonight. I'm your host, Texans Cap. As I mentioned, this is episode 49 of Cap and Trade. You can follow me on Twitter at Texans Cap, and I'm joined by always Mr. Landry Locker, Landry of 610 Radio and of the Locker Room. Landry, how you doing, sir? I'm living good. Living good. A lot going on. A lot to get into. A lot of fun. Yes, tons to get into. My gosh, the run sheet got got overrun when I was working on it earlier today. Just uh, a ton going on. First, we had, you know, Lovey Smith quickly getting fired, and uh, you know that was a a welcome sight. Not him getting fired, but the way that they just did it quickly. You know, last year they it drug out with three or four days just to decide on Coley and if he was going to be released or not from his position. And this year didn't even make probably went straight from the airport to the stadium and and uh, and took care of that issue. So. Um, team is moving forward very quickly, had a, uh, interesting press conference. I know you were in attendance with that with Cal and, uh, Nick Casario and then neutered Nick. What's that? Neutered Nick. Neutered Nick. Yes. He was yeah, it's not, down. It's neutered. It's neutered Nick. Not Nick. He was, Casario. he was, uh, he was beat up. He was a little more cheery this morning on the radio with, with Seth and Sean, but for the most part, you know, he's, it just has a completely different demeanor about him. He, I can't tell if it's more of uh, he got pressed by Cal and Hannah to, you know, this is it, this is the last chance, you better get it straight, or if this was more of him saying, you know, I'm tired of y'all meddling in my stuff, get out of the way. You know, I haven't really picked up on which one it may be. But, you know, and the Texans have got a lot of interview requests out there, a lot of news going on, but just, you know, right off the top, you know, Nick Casario had a lot to say between the press conference and on his uh, morning hit with Sean and Seth, and yesterday, like you said, neuter Nick. It was it was he was just beat up. He looked like like you said, he looked like he hadn't slept. He he uh, just looked like he was worn down, and he was conceding a lot of things. I mean, it was really wild to to hear some of the things that he said. It was a completely different stance that he had taken on some other things, even. I don't know how serious to take it, but even talking about throwing lines out there where, I, you know, if, if the, a new coach comes in and I need to step down or step out of the way or anything like that, then that's what's best for the organization. I I just can, don't know what to take from all that, and I'm still kind of processing it still to this day, and it's just really interesting to, to hear that coming from him for somebody who's always been very confident at the podium, you know, has a lot of strong language, uh, business euphemisms that he likes to throw out there. And it was just kind of a complete opposite of what we've seen in the past. Yeah. And it was good um, because if he needs to be humbled um, because it's an important process. And I, I think it's unfair to, you know, just simplify and say, wow, this list is great. Well, why wasn't this list there last year or the year before well, the quarterback had damn near 30 sexual allegations against him. He wanted to be traded. You had bad cap space. Um, that's why. You know, that's why the list is better and it's more appealing. But, you know, I don't know. 
got to do kind of a balancing act. Like, does it look like that because Cal has stepped in? Or is it just more, a, a more appealing job? I don't know. Um, but I think, look, the the execution of Sunday was pathetic. And Nick Casario should be ashamed of himself that they squandered away the number one pick. And it's very simple. Like, I, I know some people say, well, you know, what would you what would you have done? You can't tell players to – no. Cal McNair told Levy Smith to go out there and try to win the ball game. That's what he told him when he met with him on Monday. I, I, I know that 100%. I, I've, I've, I've talked to the source himself, and that's, that's – say that, say that again? Cal McNair told Levy Smith, go out there and try to win the game. Oh, okay. like, like if, if you're on the field, go out there and try to win the game. Hmm. So that, that was the dialogue between Cal McNair and Levy Smith. Go win the ball game. And Levy Smith went out there and he won the ball game, tried to win the ball game. And how do you prevent that? Brandon Cook shouldn't have been active. Brandon Cook should have been traded. If you would have traded Brandon Cooks when you're supposed to trade Brandon Cooks, yeah. or if you wouldn't have let Brandon Cooks call you out and then all of a sudden come back and play um, and score the go-ahead touchdown against the Tennessee Titans and basically be the best player on the football field against the Indianapolis Colts, uh, then this wouldn't have happened. And it was poor execution. It was embarrassing. Um, I think a lot of fans that were out on the Texans uh, came back in, and uh, ironically, they had to sell their souls to root for the Colts to beat the Houston Texans, which sucked. I needed to take a shower immediately after the game, but that's where it was. And unfortunately, because Brandon Cooks was out there, Brandon Cooks um, cost you getting the number one pick, and then the very next day, the funniest thing, he says he wants no part of you. <laughs> so, I mean, you failed. you failed to trade a guy. He calls you out. It's clearly because his uh, his cult buddy Jack Easterby isn't uh, here anymore. Uh, you, you you fail to trade him for whatever reason. I don't even care what the compensation was because it's not going to be any better in the off season. And now you have company. You got DeAndre Hopkins, and you're probably going to have some other better, be, more appealing players on the market. And he goes out there and costs you the number one pick. And then afterwards, he says, "Screw this organization. I want nothing to do with it. I want I, I want to rebuild." And you know, Nick's got me, so he's going to be able to get it done for me. Yeah. I don't know how I would be able to. I, I wouldn't be able to show my face if I were Nick Casario if I got done like that. So <laughs> naturally, he was neutered. He was probably a little bit embarrassed. Um, it's hard to it's hard to look that foolish and that silly and go up there and talk about Michael Dell and Mark Zuckerberg and. Um, I don't know the the founder of Uber and 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 throw out all this stuff uh, confidently because you made a fool of yourself. You made a fool of the organization. A lot of people are laughing at you, and maybe it all works out. But I mean, that was that was embarrassing. That was pathetic. And for someone who you know, we talk about how smart he is. Is it, is is it really smart? I mean, is he smart because he's in a New York Times bestseller book club and can quote Silicon Valley stuff? Because that was as stupid as it gets, the execution of the Brandon Cooks thing. I mean, he should honestly be – and he can't publicly say this. Like, let's be serious. Like, some people are like, why didn't why, – why wasn't Nick Casario asked about, you know, not getting – you really think an NFL GM can go up there and say he's pissed off that they lost that, – that they didn't lose a game? Especially this organization. Do you really think he can go up there and say that? But, you know, that was stupid. The whole execution – and that's not hindsight. We had, we, I think we did a whole show basically on failing to trade Brandon Cooks. Like, it, it was stupid, and the process last year was stupid. I, I know that the situation was bad, but it was stupid. So, yeah, I, and, and Nick probably hadn't slept much because he had a lot going on. He had to fire Levy Smith. He had to talk to the players. He had to talk to the coaches. Um, 
it was probably a long time for him. But the whole, the whole like, my, the way in which he carried himself, I know he was tired, but it also came across as someone who just didn't care um, because he's up there. It was basically like, ah, they can get rid of me, whatever. It wasn't like, I'm going to die trying. It wasn't, I'm going to be account. And, and, and if you don't mention what you're accountable for, you're not accountable. That's fake. That doesn't make any sense. Like, that's not, that's no better than Bill O'Brien saying, I got to be better. I got to be better. I got to be better. Chris Ballard went up there today and Chris Ballard said, I screwed up with the Carson Wentz thing. We thought he was going to be a seven year solution here. He was not. I screwed up. We misevaluated the quarterback. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get a quarterback by any means necessary. Imagine the Colts probably leaping the Texans. And, and, and what if they find their next franchise guy? That's going to make the loss even hurt a little bit more. Um, but Nick didn't do that. He went up there. He was vaguely accountable, which is not accountable. Um, and he came across as just someone who was very tired, very embarrassed, rightfully so, and just nonchalant. Eh, whatever. Eh, whatever, you know. Eh, whatever. Eh, you know, if they, if they get rid of me, whatever. Uh, you know, and he admitted, I actually have the audio. Like he actually admitted that he, that he, he made a, I mean, like he, he delivered it wrong. I yeah. mean, I, I, do you want, he do you want to hear that? Things, he delivered a lot of things wrong on Monday. And, and I want to get into that, but here was, you want to hear his explanation on that? Yeah, go ahead. You asked for audio. I have is yeah, probably any cut sure. you have. We probably should have done this before, but here was, here was the uh, explanation of just sounding defeated and pitiful. I think the reality was, and I probably didn't do a good job of conveying the right message. Yeah, you didn't. But the point I was trying to make is that I'm accountable for the process, and I'm going to try to do a better job of setting up and managing that process. So whatever com- comes along with that. So I think that's the point I was trying to make. I enjoy my job. I love my job. I love being here. We've got a lot of work in front of us. I'm not going to shy away from the work. I've never been afraid to put in the work. But I think the point I was trying to make, and, you know, I think I drove Landry crazy. But anyways, the point I was trying to make is just I'm accountable. And I understand that I have a lot of responsibility. And quite frankly, I haven't done a good enough job. We're going to look for ways to improve. We're going to look for ways to move this uh, situation forward. And we're excited about the opportunity in front of us. So, I'll take responsibility for that. I probably did a poor job of conveying that. Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I mean, he, uh, I mean, that was a, a bold thing to, you know, try to try to walk back kind of the way things were portrayed, uh, portrayed between Sunday and then, or between Monday and then this morning. Um, you know, he tried to walk that back as best he could. And, uh, you know, that's just the way he's going to have to handle it. Sometimes he, he never really will try to fully say what you hoped he would kind of say, but you know, that's just, you know, it's just, kinda, I think that's just the way he is. And, you know, I've come to expect that from him. He's never going to be like you said, well, like Chris Ballard be down you know, layman's term. I screwed up. I messed this up. This is, what I did wrong and this is what we're going to do to try to fix the situation to move forward and more of a layman's terms, very simplified message compared to the way Nick delivers things. And that's just the way it is. So, you know, from here, we'll, you know, we'll kind of wait to, it's going to take a couple, a couple of weeks for them to get through this process. But, you know, one thing that you were talking about on, on with the game on Sunday and, I, I kind of wondered if Cal maybe learned another lesson, if he maybe should have let go of Lovey, you know, a week or two early, if the decision was kind of already made. And, but it's kind of odd that he would, 
you know, say what he said to Lovey prior to the game, but it, it did make me wonder if he had regrets of just letting Lovey play it out or not. And, I, you know, I don't know if the team would have responded the same way with an interim coach, or maybe they just didn't really have anybody that could have been an interim coach. I'm not really sure, but, you know, that, that was one question that kind of popped in my head, especially seeing the way Cal was walking around post game, looked like he was a little, little, little upset, but still smiling. You know, it just made me wonder if that was a, a possibility that crossed his mind, but I'm not entirely sure that would be an accurate question now based on based on what was said before the game. Yeah, I mean, look, that, Lovey deserved to go out there and try to win the game, for sure. I mean, he deserved to go out there and try to win the game, and the players deserved to go out there and try to win the game, but Brandon Cooks didn't needed to be traded or didn't or needed to be inactive or not out there. I, mean, yeah. I, I don't – that was that was weird. They had the healthiest injury report that they had all year. Yeah, All year. There were three names, I think, on it, three or four. I mean, what? <laughs> that's fine. I mean, go out there and try to win, but anyone who watched that game, Brandon Cooks doesn't play, they don't win that game. Yeah. So, very well, simple. Yeah. Very simple. Well, moving forward, though, heading into the offseason, got a, a lot of things to cover with the Texans regarding the offseason, but the, the biggest topic, obviously, is the head coach and who they could potentially hire to take this team forward. You know, they've got uh, five, no, six, what, six interview requests out. Jonathan Gannon, D'Amico Ryans, Ben Johnson, Shane Steichen, Ivaro. I'm not really sure how to pronounce his first name. Ijaro, Ivaro, maybe. Mike Kafka. And then the latest one today was Sean Payton. Um, it sounds like two of those have been accepted. I think Ivaro and Johnson, kind of what I hear. And then an interesting tweet that Nick Underhill sent out today or probably right before we went on with the show saying, I'm willing to say all five teams with coach openings have called on Sean Payton and three have passed through so far. Okay. So I'm assuming that means he's passed on it, that he's not going to do it. I'm not entirely sure. I kind of want, that's why I wanted to see what your, what that meant to you being for for me. I mean, it's through. I don't think there's any. There's oh, any I'm ne- sorry. Okay, he followed up, passed through to interview phase. So yeah. three of them have moved on to the end that have been accepted. So hopefully, yeah. be interesting to see if Houston's one of those. I'm, I don't see why it wouldn't be. He, Sean Payton doesn't really. I don't know. I, I'm not as high up on Sean Payton as maybe some other folks are. I think there's no harm in definitely no harm in bringing him in and seeing if you can pick his brain and kind of get an assessment from him on where the team stands and kind of pick his brain on that, on that Avenue and what he thinks. And maybe he is a serious candidate. I don't know. I'm not, you know, partying with draft capital to get him on here. Plus the amount of money that he's going to be demanding is going to be is another difficult piece for me. Not the money part. That's not nothing to do with me. That's Cal's money, but the draft compensation is something to consider, but I've said it all along. I think Jonathan Gannon is kind of the leader in the house at the moment. And, uh, I know you've been. I know you. You're kind of uh, uh, D'Amico Ryan's is kind of your top choice, but I think Ben Johnson and and uh, Mike Kafka are interesting names. I'm not entirely sure if they're ready to make that leap up to head coach, but you know, I think uh, it's it. All of these names are worthy candidates, and it's been refreshing to get a a more normalized candidate list and interview process compared to the way no Heinz Ward. Yeah. No Heinz Ward. Yeah. Just no wild out of the left field 
you know, interview request and then, you know, it kind of secret which ones have been interviewed, which ones haven't. So I remember one tweet last year or the year before it was like, we had discussions with this person, but I guess I didn't call it an interview. And it was just kind of, it was a very awkward process. And yeah, it, sucks. Time it seems like it's more normalized. It's they're going to be more transparent with who they interview and who they have requests in. And, and hopefully that can, that process continues forward. But as a fan, it's, it's exciting to see the names that they're, they're got their request out to, and hopefully they're able to talk to all these folks, but it, I don't know. It, it could be anybody's, any of these guys could probably be the front runner. It just seems like, and it's not just coming from Aaron, it's coming from other people I talk to that Gannon's kind of seems like the leader in the clubhouse at this point. Yeah. And, and if you get Gannon, I think it's kind of interesting because you then get uh, Brian Johnson maybe to be the OC. Brian Johnson did a really good job with Hertz the last two years. Yep. Um, you, Frank Ross definitely stays, uh, because he worked with Gannon in Indianapolis. Um, there's talk about maybe Frank Wright coming in. I don't know what that role would be, but he's not going to get a head coaching gig. So maybe it would be appealing to kind of mentor someone that he knows very well. Um, so I think you could maybe get the the best of both worlds. If you get Gannon in that you, you take their quarterback coach, he becomes the OC and you know, you don't just bring in Steichen. Steichen's interesting to me because he worked with Herbert, his rookie year uh, and he was the offensive coordinator. We talk about Pep Hamilton being the quarterback coach. He was the actual offensive coordinator. And, and I think uh, Herbert had his best QB rating uh, when he had Steichen and we see what's going on with Jalen hurts. Um, so the Eagles pipeline is definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's. I don't know what D'Amico Ryan's would bring with him. Um, well, Matt, Matt LaFear is out there now. Mike. Mike, I'm sorry. Yeah. Mike yeah. LaFleur is out there. Um, some people think he might be going to work with his brother. Um, I don't know. I could see oh, Nathaniel Hackett going back to work with uh, – I could see Nathaniel Hackett going right back up to Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers loves him so much uh, if Aaron Rodgers is back. Yeah. Um, plus, he was pretty – he did a pretty nice little run as OC there. So, you know, maybe maybe that happens. Um, ben Johnson, a lot of people like, seems to be really popular. I don't know if it's like a hard knocks thing. I don't know if there's like a lot of people watching Lions games. It it was a good offense. Uh, Jared Goff was, I want to say, sixth in the league in passing yards. So there's yeah, some no, stuff to like. Very efficient offense up there for, you know. Yeah, he did have. a good job. And yeah. he was, you know, he's he's uh, he seems to be a popular name. Um, I think Kafka is a guy that I, you know, I, uh, I'm going to have Wade Smith on my stream locker room on YouTube tomorrow. Um, and I think Kafka is on his list right below D'Amico Ryan's. Um, and it, we've been talking about Kafka a lot this year. Um, I, you know, I, I know the enemy has been a popular name, but there's, there's some people in Kansas city. They're not necessarily going to tweet it or anything like that. Um, but there was like a kind of theory that they didn't want to lose Kafka. So they were kind of wanting the enemy to get a head coaching job um, because they wanted to promote Kafka to offensive coordinator. Now, Patrick Mahomes is not going to fall off no matter what. So obviously Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of the league. I mean, so it's not like, you know, I'm saying that Mike Kafka had everything to do with Patrick Mahomes, but they did not want to lose him. Mm-hmm. and they were not going to be able to elevate him as long as the enemy was there. And in one year, you kind of have a decent body of work for Mike Kafka where Daniel Jones and the New York Giants are in the playoffs this week. 
Um, they actually got a chance to win the game. It's the first playoff matchup with uh, two teams with a negative point differential uh, in the history of the league. Yeah. Uh, so Kafka's another name that could that could come up, and, and he seems to excite a lot of people. And, I mean, that was the first phone call Brian Dable made when he became a head coach. He called Mike Kafka, and then he called Wink Martindale, and he put together a pretty good staff. So Kafka's very uh, intriguing. I like Evero, but not. I, I don't – like, he's, he's lower on my list. I, he did do a hell of a job. Like, if Russell Wilson were a competent quarterback, I mean, he put together a championship Defense. quality effort for a coordinator. Unfortunately, it was kind of on his own. So I'm a big fan of uh, what he's got going. And then Sean Payton, for me, I he's fifth on my list. And I know that sounds stupid. And oh, I'm not going to like I'm not going to like pound the table if they if they hire Sean Payton, because it brings immediate credibility to the organization. It brings immediate excitement and there's a chance he goes out there and win wins. Like he, he's, he's that good of a football coach to where he could go out there and win like Bill Parcells, his first year with the Dallas Cowboys, they went 10 and six uh, after going five and 11 for three straight seasons. And they made the playoffs with Quincy Carter. That's the kind of coach that Sean Payton is. And Sean Payton was actually a part of that staff. Um, so he knows how to go in and kind of coach guys up. I, I mean, you could see like a Brian Dable type run. My thing with Sean Payton is he quit, dude. Like I, I like I keep hearing all these people say, and, and look, I'm not trying to be hardo and say this guy quit, but you've got to ask why did he quit? You know, like why why did he step away? The reason he stepped away, I believe, because I think if Drew Brees is in his prime and he's still doing his thing, I don't think Sean Payton needs to step away. I think Sean Payton stepped away because he wanted to get a fresh start and he didn't want to be in a position where you were at, you had a disadvantage talent-wise all the time and you, and you didn't have an elite quarterback. And if he comes to Houston, even if the assets are used perfectly, it's going to be somewhat of a rebuild. He's 59 years old. He wants full control. He doesn't give a damn about the long term of this organization. So you're putting yourself in a position to where it's basically going to be all chips on the table. We'll find out what happens. And there's a chance that it doesn't work. Like I hear about all these coaches trades and stuff. And I hear people saying, well, you know, you, you might have to give up 12 for Sean Payton. Okay. Bill Parcells went straight from new England to New York. Like Bill Parcells stepped away multiple times, but when he was traded for it, he didn't show any signs that he was he was ready to quit coaching or not not ready to buy into a process. He said he wanted to shop for the groceries. So he was actually saying that he was ready for that life, and he went to New York, and they ended up going to the AFC Championship game. Bill Belichick did not want to work under Bill Parcells in New York, and Bill Belichick was still hungry, all that. He went to New England, and he figured it out. John Gruden was basically like the young boy wonder. And I think the Raiders had just gone to the AFC championship game. I think they lost to Baltimore. That was where Syracuse fell on Rich Gannon. And uh, Rich Gannon had to leave the game in Baltimore and ended up winning the Super Bowl. So Tampa Bay traded for him. And then you had Holmgren and Herm Edwards. Neither one of those guys left. So if, if you told me that the Texans, if this was the 2019 Houston Texans, and you told me that they were going to trade for Sean Payton and Sean Payton was going to come in, I'd be willing to give up my first three draft picks. 
because of where that team is and where he would be and what he would inherit. Like in 2019, although I don't think they had three draft, uh, three high picks, but that's neither here nor there. Draft, I think, yeah. But I would have, I would have been willing to 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 sell the farm. But he's kind of showed you that that's not the life he wants. Now, with that said, interviewing Sean Payton is not bad. And again, if you hire him, it could go well. I don't think you should have to give up a first round pick for a guy who didn't coach last year. Like what leverage do the saints have in, 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 in a trade with Sean Payton? Like, think about this. He's basically a player with a no trade clause. He's that you you've already started life without him and he gets to pick where he goes. It's not like a bidding war. Like, it's not like, it's not like the the saints can say, Oh, we're going to trade you here. Like he's picking where he's going. So why the hell would you have to give up the 12th pick for Sean Payton? That makes no sense. Like, it, at his best, at his peak, if he coaches well, is he worth it? Sure. Like, you can make a case that that's there. But he's 59 years old. He doesn't want to rebuild all that. And he's been away. So why would you have to give up max value for Sean Payton? It makes no sense. Like, it makes – that's just – that just doesn't make any rational sense to me. But talking to him, there's no negative. You get Sean Payton's opinion on your organization for – I don't know how long these interviews are, an hour and a half, two hours – he gets to use you for leverage. I'm assuming that in Sean Payton's perfect world, what Sean Payton wants to happen, because I think he's a chess player and he thinks ahead, and he probably, when he left New Orleans, he probably had Dallas in mind. But Sean Payton's going to be rooting for two things this weekend during Wild Card Weekend. Chargers. And I think the fact that he's going to be rooting for the Chargers to lose to the Jags because Brandon Staley's ass is getting fired if they lose, and he deserves it with the stunt he pulled, putting Mike Williams and Bosa out there and all that on top of some of the other stuff he did. And on Monday night, he's going to be rooting for the Cowboys, who, by the way, are 1-4 and four on grass. They're 11-1 and one on turf, and they're 1-4 and four on grass. They average like a, a touchdown less a game. I saw Nick Wright with this. And he's going to root for the Cowboys to be one and done against a Tampa Bay team that's been far from impressive. Yep. And then th- those teams are going to look at it and say, he's interviewed with this, 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 and they're going to one of those teams is going to hire him. That's his dream scenarios. But even with like Arizona and all the other squads, I don't think that – it's it's Sean Payton's ideal situation. I don't think he's the ideal fit, but I think that there's no negative in at least talking to Sean Payton and, and seeing what happens. But it does also tell you this, and this is the other thing, Cap. It does tell you that they aren't incredibly high on Nick Casario. Just the fact that they're even entertaining the possibility and publicly putting it out there that they want to talk to a guy who I talked to someone who worked with him, one of his good friends, on Sunday, he told me Sean Payton wants to, and I've, I've said this quote a couple of times on my channel, he wants to control the colors of the ta- of the rally towels on the seats. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that they're even willing to do it, that kind of tells me, okay, well. He wants maybe, to, he wants, he's going to have player, player personnel control, top to bottom, the GM almost de facto report to him. And, you know, I think that, I think there's a, I don't think I think the percentage is very low that it would happen. And this is where kind of my little fun tweet about the white smoke that I sent out. So there's a little bit of rumors floating around, and this is not just not because of Sean Payton, but it's more so I think towards maybe Jonathan Gannon. It's still kind of up in the air on it. And I think like I said, I think it's a very low percentage that this would happen, but it would not shock me too terribly much if the head coach the that the Texans hired did not want Nick Casario on, on the, in the organization and that they wouldn't want to bring in their own GM and who that would be. 
if it was Gannon, the name that is floating around is Ed Dodds up in Indianapolis, who reports to Chris Ballard. And he's been a popular he's name. He's awesome, by the way. He's been a very popular name. I was He was one of my choices back before Casario got hired. I was a big, big on Ed Dodds. And there's a lot going on. It's like I said, it's a low percentage right now. I think Casario probably ultimately will end up staying, but don't, don't, don't think that that's a chance that may happen. That Gannon, or if I don't think Sean Payton's going to get hired, but if he did, somebody like that would want to bring in their own GM, and that's kind of where that white smoke. And I've seen a lot of comments on the board about that. That's what that white smoke tweets is about. I, there's just a little lingering chance that Nick Casario may not be around. I don't. I feel I think the percentage is higher that he's going to stay, but you know it's just something to monitor, something to keep in mind. I don't know that D'Amico would want to bring in his own GM or not. I think the uh, the hot name out of San Francisco's front front office, he's already turned down two interview requests. He sounds like he wants to stay in San Francisco, and obviously I don't think Kafka or Ben Johnson or Avero have the have the the pelts on the wall to be able to make that kind of push, that kind of request. But it'd be interesting to see. I mean. It, from what I understand, Casario was pro Jonathan Gannon last year during the hiring process coming out of the senior bowl. It was very much seemed like Jonathan Gannon had the job sewn up. And, you know, we've talked about it on this show and I'm sure Landry's covered on his many times of where things kind of went sideways towards the end there between McCowan and, and Lovie Smith. But I, I think it's Jonathan Gannon's job to lose at this point. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, Disappointed at all if it was D'Amico or Ben Johnson or anything like that. But I, I'm with you. Sean Payton's pretty much last on my list right now for all the points that you brought up and all the points that I brought up. But as we both said, it, there is no harm in bringing him in. You can get a little bit of knowledge from him, get a little bit of outside outside opinion on your organization. Let him utilize you, like you said, utilize the team as leverage. Everybody comes out happy, gets their piece of the – gets a positive out of it and and move on. So – but the part that I, the part of this whole process that I'm trying to figure out is, you know, I think Cal, Cal alluded to that he's going to be involved in this process. I think, I think uh, Hannah's probably going to be involved in this process, and Nick's going to be involved. And in, at what percentage? What? Who has the? Who has? Who's going to make the final call? Will obviously be Cal. But how much are they going to take? of Nick Casario's opinion of his evaluation, his recommendation into consideration when they're making this head coach hire, that's going to be the interesting part on this. And I saw another tweet, I think from, I'm not sure which insider it was, but they were alluding to that some head coaches are kind of, or some candidates are having side conversations directly with owners, not in a formal. Okay. It was not even enough, not even in a formal interview setting. And so, you know, I wonder if that's going to, if that'll happen with Cal and it's, I hope so. I hope so. Because I I think he, I think he needs to speak, you know, I I don't think he needs to be because quite frankly, like the reputation that Cal has, um, like he shouldn't have a reputation as a good NFL owner right now. I think, I think he, he's actually going to join us on, um, on Friday. Um, so I don't, I don't think he would even admit that at this. I, I mean, I don't think he would even think that at this point, but the reputation he has isn't proportional with what he is. Uh, and, and you, and I'm not sitting here saying that that's a good thing or a bad thing, but you know, the, the way in which he's been presented and stuff is not, it's not accurate at all. So 
the more that he can talk to the guys instead of just being kept at arm's length and, you know, Jack Easterby kind of being the middleman, um, the better. And I also think Cal and Hannah are going to listen to the people. Um, I, I think that's and, – and I don't think that's like that. a recipe for ultimate yeah. success, but the reality is the people um, in this city, more times than not, first of all, there's um, a little bit of apathy, but they've been smarter than the front office, um, and that's a damn shame. You don't want to get to that, but they're, they're listening to the people. They're going to have the uniform thing tomorrow and all that type of stuff, yeah. but I think that – It's going to be fun. I think that that's uh, – that's important is that they're going to be listening to the people. So it's not just going to be them, but look, man, like, I don't know if I don't think Nick's like, doesn't have respect around the NFL, but have you ever like, like when you were growing up and, and, and back in the days when, you know, there were house parties and there were gatherings and stuff like that. Have you ever had like someone in your crew that like, man, this guy's cool. I respect the hell out of him. He's fun. He brings a lot of life to the party. But, dude, that fr- that guy that he always brings to the party sucks. So I don't want anything to do with him. And quite frankly, I don't even want to invite him to any more parties. And I don't even want to answer his calls or texts because he's cool. But, man, he's always with that little that little weasel that he, that he carries around that's creepy. And he creeps out all the girls. And he drinks all the alcohol. And he never brings anything to the table. And he blabs all the time. And no one wants to be, like, stuck in a conversation with him. That's what Nick Casario has been doing the last two years with Jack Easterby. Like, like regardless of how you feel about Nick Casario and all that, like for the last two years, Jack Easterby has been basically the middleman. And a lot of times Jack Easterby has just kind of gone on his own and made phone calls and, you know, he's increased his Rolodex and his inquiries and all that type of stuff. And he's, he's talking to like smart personnel people about, you know, uh, tracking devices and all that type of stuff. Like, that's what that's what Nick Casario has been been doing the last two years. So, and that's who he's been that's who he's been, you know, working hand in hand with. So, I, I don't know how people around the league feel about that, but I, but I do I I don't see how it can help you, uh, especially when for the third time in as many years, regardless of the why, uh, you're having to go through that process. Yeah, no, it'll, it'll be interesting and. Like you said, talking about some of the outside information, I think that's another piece with Jonathan Gannon coming along is I think he would bring that heavy analytics approach that Philadelphia is quite honestly the leader in the NFL when it comes to that, the biggest analytics group in the league. And I think Houston is finally kind of coming along that lines. They, you know, four years ago, they had probably the one of the smallest departments in the league. And they've slowly built it up and, you know, have that decision science group. And I think having someone like Jonathan Gann would just continue to expand that group and, and lean on that type of information. So that part would be pretty interesting to me. Another thing that was interesting today was the Casario interview with Sean and Seth. And there was a lot of, a lot of, a few more tidbits in that one that kind of caught my attention and the first one I wanted to touch on was him talking about QB traits. You know, he he kind of alluded – it was weird that he brought up, talked about decision-making, under-duress work, anticipation, and accuracy. That was the, the traits that he brought up before even getting to size. Was that on purpose? Who knows? He did back it up with having some physical traits to to go along with those things. And we've, 
we've talked about in here about the draft history of New England that it's been six, you know, six one and taller, six two and taller through the history of New England, but they've never had a pick inside of or they've never, you know, even really had the opportunity to have a quarterback or make a selection this high up. I think Jimmy Garoppolo was the highest QB selected for them in in last fifteen years. So but it was just interesting to me, to me at least, that those are the traits, those are the qualities that he mentioned before get into physical traits. And it sounded like he was just describing Bryce Young, and in all honesty, at least to me, and I, maybe I have some blinders on because he's my my number one choice. But him saying those specific items was all Bryce Young before he got into size. And that was just interesting to me. And I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, any any input on that? Um, yeah, I, I actually had a few things on it. Um, I wonder if like Nick actually kind of gravitates to Bryce Young because he was a small quarterback himself. Now he wasn't good. Like, I mean, he wasn't like someone who had like NFL aspirations, but he mentioned being a 175 pound quarterback. And I just wonder if like naturally that gives him like a little bit of admiration for, um, Bryce Young and what he's been able to do with the physical traits that he's had. There's been talk that he's probably going to measure at 5'10", which is fine. I actually started throwing out the possibility, what if the Texans get Will Anderson with the second pick and then they get Bryce Young all the way at 12? Are they able to trade up to eight or something like that because teams don't like the traits uh, and they're more fascinated with the Levis and the Richardson uh, type of stuff? Um, so I, I, I listened to that and I just wondered, you know, we know he likes Alabama players, check. Um, we know he was a small quarterback himself. Check. Um, is it possible that even Nick, uh, who probably likes physical traits and probably leans that way, although New England, like for all the talk about New England, and I think the dumbest thing that I've seen is, you know, listing the quarterbacks that were drafted in New England and their heights and weights. Okay, so he that basically what you're saying when you when you when you put that list together is he didn't draft Russell Wilson. He didn't draft Kyler Murray. He didn't draft Seneca Wallace. He didn't draft Pat White. Uh, he didn't draft Drew Brees. Like, there's not a lot of – he didn't draft Chase Daniel. Like, that's basically what you're saying. Um, but I, I do wonder, like, if if maybe Nick kind of just finds, dang, man, you know, that's, that's cool to see that he has all this makeup and stuff and he combats it. And if maybe naturally he kind of doesn't necessarily hold the size against him as much as a lot of people are going to. Yeah, I would, I would hope so. And we'll get into the the draft slot stuff. I do have a couple of thoughts and questions on that as well. But a couple other items from the interview that, you know, it, he mentioned uh, when they were talking about Mulligetta and if that was going to be a barrier or anything. And we we've talked about it here. That's not going to be a barrier. There, everybody is understands that. Houston's going to have to do business with Mulligetta and athletes first for many many years to come. And there's they left they left things on what sounds like on good terms. I don't think that's going to be any kind of barrier if it were C.J. Stroud or anybody else. But he did mention a, a cornerback during the Watson negotiations, and to me that feels like that was straight up A.J. Terrell talk. So that just made me feel like or J.C. Horn could have been J.C. Horn. Yeah, both of them. I, I think it was more A.J. Terrell, but because it kind of like sounded like his name was thrown in there as potential trade packages, but that part was a little interesting. But the one piece that was really positive coming from it was Derek Stingley's health and John Mechie's health. Um, he mentioned that that Stingley, was our, he saw him out on the field yesterday, that he looked explosive, that he was moving around well. You know, it kind of makes me wonder if the team 
had been more in you know playoff push mode would have Stingley been back on the field towards the end of the season. But it sounded like the way Casario was portraying it that he was near healthy and and getting back to where he needs to be. And hopefully he'll have a a good clean off season, can have a good training camp next year. And then he mentioned that John Mechie is coming along, still waiting on final clearance from doctors or whatnot. But he, he said that he, he is actually even looks bigger than before they drafted him, you know, from when they saw the combine. And, and that's just really great to hear. It's exciting for, for Mechie himself to be able to, to get through this process and, potentially return back to the field because area, I think his words were that there's a really good shot that he could make it back for um, the off season program. So very excited for that. It was uh, one of my more favorite draft picks and really excited to see him make it back to the field. And just overall, like we said, he just sounded more positive. Like he got a night of sleep and, and a little rim more sleep. He's probably a rim sleep guy, huh? He's probably got like a Fitbit where he like measures his, REM sleep only needs like four and a half core. hours of REM sleep, whatever the hell that is. Core and deep sleep. My my Apple Watch does it. I look at it, but uh, oh, yeah, I mean would. that was you. You would. I would. You know that. But that I mean that was a lot of good, a lot of good tidbits from me, from me, and that you know from that interview. I don't know if there's any other points from that interview that you wanted to bring up. Um, I thought. The the Mulligetta thing was interesting. I, I don't think that that's going to be uh, an obstacle when CJ declares, which he will. Um, the the Bryce thing, um, the Cooks thing was weird. Um, he said we were all obviously disappointed by what happened last year. I, I kind of like it's clear what Cooks was disappointed about. It was Easterby. So I kind of would have liked, uh, well, what do you mean? What were you disappointed in? But I, I understand that the clock was ticking or whatever. I would have liked to have heard that. He said Laramie Tunsil, uh, he basically in no uncertain way said he didn't like him uh, putting yeah. out the, the you know, the the money quote. And I'm sure Laramie was just kind of, you know, just just laughing. It didn't sound like that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, there was a lot of, I mean, I'll be honest, man. Like, a lot of people don't like Nick, man. Like a, a lot of a lot of my listeners, our listeners, uh, mine, Figgies and Lopez is they, they don't like Nick. Um, What's the reasons? They just think he sounds like he's full of shit um, and that he's you know, he's I, I actually defend him on the the word salad, as people put it, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of GMs do that. But I, I think people don't trust him and they think he's kind of a BSer. Um, with, with some of the answers he gives. And I mean, the, the, I mean, you can ask anyone that works there. you probably, uh, Sean and Seth would tell you like the text line is, is kind of over the BS and we know fans are pissed and we know that they're over the BS. Um, I don't dislike Nick. I don't have any problem with some of the, some of the answers that he gives. I, I, I know that's part of the gig and you're not going to tell us everything. Um, and you shouldn't like, um, but yeah, I think a lot of people are really, really kind of just eh, on Nick. Yeah. And, and maybe it's as simple as winning and losing. I mean, maybe it could be, but there's, there's a little bit of that too. and a little bit of the way things have been handled with the draft class and, you know, utilization that's more coaching than, than GM. And, you know, he's had a few good signings like Steven Nelson, Millie Collins, and he's had a lot of misses when it comes to free agents and the way, the way that they've handled the cap and contracts the past two years, has just been a little all over the place. There's been no direction. 
And, you know, I've, I've always been kind of conflicted of the way they've managed it and handled it. You know, the, the constant restructures, pushing money back just to find money to sign another 29, 30 year old player at 30% over his market value. I mean, it just, to me, it seems like there are evaluations on free agents and maybe there's a little Texans tax in there. And I get that, but some of the evaluations on market value for the free agents that they have signed has been quite a bit off. And it's just, I think you, I think that's just another piece of that puzzle that fans are a little over with, you know, he's signed bajillion free agents to these one and two year deals and then doing all these restructures. Why? I mean, just to sign another 30 year old, you know, another 30 year old free agent to fill up the roster spot when you probably could have gotten the same production from an undrafted free agent at a third of the cost. Yeah. And it and just, that's, that's just what I, sense. that's what I like. I, I, <laughs> I I'm not, a cap guy like you, but some of the stuff just kind of seemed a little bit weird, but it does seem like the cap nerds were um, kind of upset with the way that he handled the money. I have no problem with it. You know, the first two years, just like I had no problem with hiring Lovey Smith and David Cully. Um, but yeah, it did seem like a lot of the cap nerds. That's why, that's why the, uh, it was two years ago. It was a long time ago but when Spitzer Tillman brought up, you know, I've never seen a GM do this good of a job, yada, yada, yada. And he actually right, called into the show and got mad and said his words were misrepresented. No, they weren't. Like, it wasn't a good cap job. Like, it wasn't like that good of a cap job. Uh, so it he wasn't like – They had more misses in first year than the second year. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like a good cap job, um, according to people who study that more than, you know, both uh, me and Spencer. But – yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's like that costly though. Like, I don't think it's like cap. If he handles the cap and he handles signings the next couple of years or next year, uh, like he did when the first two years, he's not going to be here. I mean, if Rex Burkhead's on a roster when you're actually trying to, I hope win games, and I thought they kind of were. Like, you're not going to be here very long. And if you handle they, the cap like that, you're not going to be here either. Yeah, I think the. I think the management of the Cavs probably going to be a little more in line of what we expected the last year or two. I think going forward, I th- with you know the Watson situation being sorted out and purging and overturning this roster, getting the salary cap back in a in a positive situation, I think you're going to see a more traditional type of spending where we might see a couple of free agents that get three or four year deals at you know pretty pretty decent type of free agent, not this signings of 35 one-year players so i think we just might see a little more traditional traditional methodology going forward and i'm all for that we'll see what happens there's a lot you know there's a few players that they need to try to look at internally not only from the extension front like with tunsil and a few other players but you know there's certain players that probably need to be brought back assuming the scheme and the head coach the new the new coaching staff is is has these kind of players that can fit in. But I think Tavier Thomas and uh, Agba Akaronko going to be, and Tremont Smith are probably my top three re-signed candidates. And then Jonathan Owens for depth. And I'm fine with bringing back Akins if that's the case. But, you know, there's – and then He had a good year. Yeah. Career year. Yeah. I don't know if he'd be able to replicate it. I think it's another no. uh, Darren Fell situation. But, you know, he might make some more money elsewhere. But I think there's, you know, there's, I don't think I don't think he will. No, 
I mean, he'll do a little bit, a little bit better, you know, probably one year, two and a half, three million, something like that. Um, so let's jump over to the draft. Kind of had some thoughts on that, especially with regards to the Colts. And I, and I say they're that coming, they're coming, man. I don't know that they are. And they might, they might. And I know, if they and like I know someone, not, they're coming. I know Ballard, you know, said he's they're the second betting favorite. They're ahead of the Texans right now. Yeah. Said that they're going to do whatever they can to, to get the quarterback that they need. When it comes to taking and, the number one pick, I'm, that's what I, I was talking I just about. feel like Ballard is going to try to call Poles' bluff and say, either you draft the quarterback or if not, I'm going to wait because I know Arizona is not going to take a quarterback. And I know it's just, let's just say for the fact that he's, he's their pro Chris Stroud, uh, CJ Stroud. I'm calling Chicago's bluff and saying, I'm, I don't think you're going to pull the trigger on the quarterback and they'll go, you know, you know, Anderson or Carter Houston's going to go Bryce young, Arizona's going to go defense and Stroud's going to fall right into my lap that there's no reason for me to move up to one to get the quarterback. That's kind of my assessment of the situation. I just don't – I just – polls. this is his first draft run. I know he's got a lot of experience from where he came from previously. I think Ballard's a little more seasoned on, on that front, and I, I know he can be aggressive when he wants to be, but I just, I just don't see the need to move up to one. I just don't. Unless they're in love with the same quarterback that Houston is in love with, then I could see it but I'm just not sure that they are. I don't understand what you mean because they're still going to have to do – like if the, if the worrying about Houston goes, there's multiple times where they're going to have to do that. Um, so you move up to one so you don't have to worry about four teams in front of you trading or getting the quarterback. That's that's why you go up to one, though. Yeah. Right? I mean so – Arizona could trade out, yeah. Anyone that's could true. trade out. Like in, I mean, Arizona's, Arizona's got to get some assets. They got to get some stuff. Go. They need some young guys on their roster. Like they, they're paying Kyler Murray. It's kicking up now. So yeah, that's why you trade up because you want to avoid having to go through that same headache four times. I think it's possible. I think the Chicago, the looking at it from Chicago's perspective is the thing to me that would make it less likely from Indy's perspective. I actually think it would make sense for them to try to, but from the Bears' perspective, you have a defensive-minded head coach in Matt Eberflus. Uh, you basically made him take it on the chin with his defense. You got rid of your two best players on defense. You traded them for draft picks. By the way, good move on that uh, on that Claypool trade. Good God. Uh, the Steelers got the uh, 32nd pick in the draft now for uh, 14 yep. catches. So yep. nice trade there, Bears. Um, but – I think Matt Eberflus is going to fall in love with one of these defensive players. Yep. I mean, and it could be, it could be one of three, like the three guys that we're talking about um, the kid out of Georgia, the kid out of Alabama and the kid out of Texas tech. Um, Wilson's and if you moving up that fast up the board, so I don't know. I could see him. I yep. could, I, he's, a, he's, he's effing good. I don't think, I don't think too many people are familiar with how effing good that guy is. Yep. Like he is a stud. Um, but I mean, if you trade back to where Indy is, you risk missing out on your defensive guy. And I could see Eberflus just falling in absolute love with one of those guys to where he doesn't want to risk it. I think, I think from Chicago's point of view, I don't know that they're going to want to be the team that trades back 
that much because they've already added some draft picks. Um, they like where their quarterback's at. So I don't know that Eberflus is going to want to trade back. Now, they're going to put it out there. Like, it's going to be put out there that they're willing to and, and, and able. But I just think, like, behind the scenes, it's hard for me to, you know, because we're talking about all these question marks of uh, quarterbacks. That one, these defensive players, like it's pretty solid. Like the 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 guys that are in the top five, I think Eberflus is going to fall in love with one of them to where he's probably going to pound the table and say, "Man, I don't want to just lose out on Carter and Anderson so that we can get another first round pick." Yeah, because if they if they if they don't trade back with the Colts, then they're looking at trading back to almost nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, you know, Raiders, Falcons, Panthers, and. Looking at the Bears' picks, they have number one, and then their next pick after that is not until late in the second round, number fifty-five. Yeah. So that because I so I think they would be the ones that were hesitant would be the Bears trading back too far, which leads to the question: like, do the Texans do what they did with Trubisky? And that's where it's just going to be real interesting the phone conversations, um, and how those go. Yeah. Yeah. I Man, that's going to be so much fun to watch. And I, I, I got to imagine the league is just excited for all that that's going to potentially happen at the top of the draft. But oh, the movement's crazy. The yeah. possibilities. And here's another one. Let's say that. Um, because I do you do you believe that teams like when it comes to the quarterback position? Because I don't. I don't believe it's like a receiver or a running back or like a corner where the Jets probably went into last year's draft and they said. You know, if the Texans take sauce, it's okay. We'll go with Stingley, and you know, we 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 don't feel like there's too much of a drop off. Like I, I feel like that. A lot of times, there's probably like mindsets like that, but I don't think people think that way with quarterback. Like I, I don't think someone says. And if you do, I feel like it's kind of dangerous. I feel like that's how you end up taking especially Sam Darnold because they're so completely different. Yeah, that, that's how that's how I feel. That's how I feel like you end up like making a mistake, uh, like a real costly mistake. So, if the Bears do love Will Anderson, and let's say that Indianapolis wants to trade with them, who's to say that the the Texans don't love anyone other than one of the quarterbacks, whoever it is? Who's to say that the Bears don't then trade up with the Texans? Like afterwards, much, much kind of like how Miami got those traded out up with San Francisco and then they traded back up to move up because they liked Waddle. Because you got to um, think it, that Anderson's going to be on Arizona's number one, number one on their board. Yeah, because they're losing JJ and they've lost Chandler Jones. It goes quarterback. Uh, quarterback. Yeah. And yeah. So they would have to move back up or, or settle, <laughs> settle, but go with Jalen Carter or something like that or Wilson or something like that. Or, you know, it's, I think Anderson's going to be number one on on many many teams' boards. I think he's going to be the overwhelming number one player on most people's boards, yeah, including Houston. And oh, he'll be the number one player on their board, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, hundred percent. Like, there's none of none of these quarterbacks, none of these quarterbacks are going to overtake Will Anderson when it comes to being number one on the uh, on the board. No, zero chance. Yeah, and, and another what do you think of Carter and Wilson. I could see Wilson being number two on a lot of guys' boards too. Yeah, and I think it's. I don't know how much this will play into it, but this is this is year three of the cash spending window for the CBA, where teams have to spend ninety percent of the salary cap over a three-year span in terms of cash. And a guy that I that I chat with quite a bit, who works at PFF, Brad, 
uh, Brad Spielberger. He does all the cap and contract work for PFF, and he's a big Bears fan. He's already tabulated that Bears is going to have to spend about $160 million in cash this year to to get to that 90% number. And most teams, on top of what they already have on the books, to, to clarify, new money of players that they don't even have on the roster. And last year, I think the highest – amount of team the highest amount of cash spent on new roster was 121 million this past year so chicago is going to be spending out the wazoo so i say that to say that do they trade back and try to accumulate more first round picks this year just to give them more cash to spend and more darts to throw at the board now that number one draft pick is obviously the biggest contract out of the draft class so that's another side piece of it i really don't know how much of a how much that's going to play into things. Cause I think Chicago is going to be very aggressive in free agency and they'll have the ability to, to front load some contracts to take care of that cash situation. But that just may be another little piece of piece of the puzzle, but it's going to, I mean, like I said, it's just going to be so fun to see how that plays out. And then what Houston does at one dash 12, they could go a million ways. They could move up three or four spots. They could move back. You know, maybe one of the wide receivers that they really like is sitting right there. Who knows? I mean, it's got 107 days before the draft gets here, but there the possibilities are near endless for, and we, and we know Casario has no no problems moving around the board up or down for that matter. So it's going to be really fun to see how the draft how the draft shakes out. And we'll not have, a good not a good track record of doing that though. No, I mean, two, I mean his two. Biggest misses. It's early, but his two biggest misses um, have been when he moved up and moved back. Yeah. Well, who did he move up for? That was what Nico. Nico. And... Yeah, I mean, he gave up a lot for that, and that was between that and the Marcus Cannon debacle. Yeah, and one of the top ten of... receiver, maybe one of the top ten receivers in the league, went after him. Yeah, Armand St. Brown. Yeah. Yeah, Monroe St. Brown. So yeah, I would say that doesn't look great right now, and. Kenyon Green, TBD, but you got yeah, pretty, you got pretty fancy of, there. Yeah, I mean, I know they ended up with Jalen Jalen Petrie in the second round, and I have no complaints about him. But it's a good pick. They had he's a good Jordan, player, Jordan Davis and Kyle Hamilton, both who had really strong. That's why I said early. That's why I said early, but early, early on, like the two picks where Nick Casario has been most aggressive trading back and most aggressive trading up. Um, there is, you know, kind of a question mark there. Yeah, yeah. And, and what did Pat, Pat just say? They were they painted. Oh, he's talking about. Oh, he's talking about Roquan. Pat was so and Roquan. I Pat was Pat. I, I think Pat's mad, and I he actually kind of sold me on it because I was yeah, kind of like a, on it. <laughs> yeah, he kind of he kind of sold me on it, especially with my running back thing. But I I I think that I think that Patrick is upset that he didn't get to at least for a little bit carry the sign Roquan Smith flowers. Like they got that done quick. They didn't, they didn't even, they didn't even let him like go into the off season and like do like a write up or post know, on man. something like I that. Was, I was shocked seeing. No, no. I know what that's like. I know what that's like to have yeah. like something you, you have something ready and you're just like, man, all right, this is on the rundown. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get this. I'm going to hammer this. And then boom, gone. That's what scares me. About he was ready for that Roquan Smith hype train. The, don't let him tell you any different he wanted it bad bothers me about the the tonsil extension i hope nothing happens before i get to doing all my stuff on that but it was a it was a side note it was funny so stutes and i had a bet 
on the Roquan Smith deal. And so, and I, I did the crappiest wording when I, when I, when I uh, gave it to him. So I think it was a post game show. I think it was on on your channel and, and Cody just, y'all were talking about Roquan and Cody blurted it out. He's not getting $20 million a year. And uh, so I texted him, I said, I'm willing to bet that Roquan Smith tops $20 million this year. And what I meant to say was he will get at least $20 million a year. Yeah. So he said, all right, we'll slap $20 on it. And so when the deal came out, I texted him and said, hey, here you go. And then he it took him a little bit, and he finally texted back. And apparently he, he conversed with Meltzer trying to get a lawyer standpoint on it and ended up being a push on the bet because I said tops yeah. 20.0 million. Stutz will get you on wording on bets. He and I are like bet negotiators. So we so actually good. had a bet in yeah. fantasy um, where I was like, was chirping. There's we bet right there. We, we bet a hundred bucks. Stutz and Stutz and me bet a hundred bucks. Who would who would finish higher than each other in the standings? He had the flukiest season ever, and some somehow he was the two seed. Um, and he had like the ninth most points in the league. It was embarrassing how much of a run he went on. So we met in the championship and my team was favored to beat him. I ended up winning. And before I negotiated with him, I said, I'll do the split with you. I'll do this season. I'll I'll split the money up even more to where you get the second place gets a larger chunk depending on, but you got to waive our season bet. And then he had like a counter offer and all that. Stutz will try to get like lawyery when he makes a bet. Yeah. He, he uh, got his lawyer involved, Mike Meltzer and uh, ruined everything. So we ended up pushing on it. I told him that was fair. That was my mistake. Learn from it. I'll try not to make that mistake again when I'm, when I have a future bet with Stutes on something, but that was, you know, that was just an interesting, funny thing, but it, it didn't shock me one single bit to see Brooklyn get 20 million. Um, when, when, when Baltimore traded for him like that, they, you know, lost a little bit of leverage, but it was only a matter of time. And he, he was the player to, player to get it so they've they freed up you know freed up their franchise tag for potentially lamar jackson doesn't look like he's going to play in the playoffs but uh who up and i'm sorry to get off who ended up winning y'all's championship you're not winning that's right yeah but uh yeah so no but there's a a lot of a lot of stuff coming up in this offseason a lot to Tons to get to. Uh, we'll try to. What do if some- Indy trades for Lamar? Hmm. What is? What is? Let me look at their draft stock. And we got five. So your Colts have got one dot oh four second round thirty five third round seventy nine. So I mean, they could give up four. Their future one. I don't know that they'd be able to get if they'd command three like Watson did, but could easily be two ones. There's so four and thirty-five this year, and a future one, and maybe a, another two or an early day three pick, or, or you know, a third round or something like that. I mean, they've got plenty of ammunition to do it. Um, it'd be interesting to see. That'd be a ready-made roster to to sign him onto that team. That that's a that's an interesting. I didn't really, didn't really think about that. So they got fifteen million in cap space. They're gonna 
release Matt Ryan, which is going to free up another 17 million so that, and they can front, they can backload the Lamar deal pretty easily. I don't think he'll be able to get a, a fully guaranteed deal like, like Watson was looking at. And he's got plenty of contracts that he can mess with. Braden, Braden Smith, Shaq Leonard, he can restructure and make up plenty of money for Lamar Smith. So hmm, that's something we'll have to keep an eye on. That's a, that's an interesting thought, Mr. Landry. Oh, who knows? who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe Ballard's, you know, he's been a fairly conservative GM and maybe he's, you know, got his feet to the fire, clock's ticking, as Nick would say, and, and he's going to make a, a big splash one way or another, whether it's going to be on the draft or a free agent. And there's going to be a few free agent quarterbacks out there. You know, I think Derek Carr is going to be available, either release or trade, and there's going to be a couple other stop gaps. I'm not really sure where Tom Brady will go, but Jimmy Garoppolo will probably be available. I think uh, San Francisco will probably just proceed with Trey Lance and, and Purdy. And so there'll be some stopgap options out there as well. I'm not sure that Houston will be interested in that. Maybe, maybe Casario sees that as an option to buy himself some more time, but it just kind of depends on the new coaching staff if they're, wanting the young quarterback or if they want a veteran quarterback. And we'll have to just wait to see who's hired. If Wait to see who's hired and what they can do from that. I don't really have a sense or, you know, if, if, if a veteran quarterback is even something Houston would consider. I'm not really sure I'd want them to consider that, to be honest with you. Um. I, I I don't. It did, I mean, I, it just it just feels like you you kind of put yourself in QB purgatory. I, you know that I'm, that purgatory I'm, where you're winning seventy. I can't games. believe I'm saying this. Uh oh. But would you? Ra- I mean, would you rather just let Davis Mills hold down the fort than bring in Jimmy Garoppolo or something like that? That's that's something I think about whenever I think about stop gaps. I mean, like how much better are they than? davis mills i mean probably a, better left definitely better but but I for mean, the amount of money and what you're spending that could be allocated to the rest of your roster and for, with the right coach yeah i mean and, and, and again this is Johnson come in and make davis mills look like jared goff i don't know but well yeah quarterback just draft quarterback nick and that way we don't have to worry about it draft the quarterback draft the Quarterback. The quarterback, number the nine, Bryce Young. Yeah, but now we'll we'll get into. Andy doesn't take him. he's gonna get him now. It's gonna suck. Be the face of their you franchise. Think, you think they're uh they're think they're a Bryce Young joint, huh? I don't know. I don't know who Andy's gonna hire as coach. Um, yeah, I I think it's possible that Bubba gets the job. I sound like Harbaugh and. And Ben Johnson are probably the top two at the moment. They're the two at okay. the moment, but I wouldn't be shocked if Bubba interview. got the. I wouldn't be shocked if Bubba got the game. Who did he? Did he interview? Or there was an interview with the Colts today. He did interview with the Colts. He was going to, um, or he was going to interview with him. Because yeah. maybe they're sometimes maybe they wanted to protect Bubba. Maybe they protected Bubba, didn't throw him quite to the wolves because in some of the like in-game management stuff, the the ref was going to Bubba. Uh, Bubba was the one clearly talking with. Uh, with Saturday, I don't know. They're 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 weird. They're really weird. Chris Ballard goes up there. I screwed up. <laughs> I'm pissed off. I'm ticked at myself. <laughs> That's quite the impression. 
he's always like, like he's just like yelling, like for no reason. Yeah. Hell yeah, I'm pissed off. I'm not gonna hide from it. He's he doesn't have a twang though. Yeah, he does. <laughs> you don't think Chris Bell does a twang? He's from here. I know he's from here, but I mean, yeah, he's got a hell of a twang. You think Chris Ballard has a twang? I'll have to go back on. Come on, bro. I've heard it. I'll have to go Chris back. Chris Ballard has a twang. It's not as much as we're used to, but Chris Ballard has that twang. Maybe that's maybe it's just because I'm not what I'm used to. He's been he's spent too much. No, time. you hear more twang in your daily life, especially in your Baytown neck of the woods. But he has some twang still. I'm not Baytown neck of the woods. I'm a little south of Baytown. But you're there. You're you're in the same mix. Oh yeah, I know plenty of people over there. Yeah. Yeah. Not that far from you. Beach City, Clint's neighborhood. Shout out to Clint. They were um, Bear Bryant Awards today. Oh, yeah, I saw that. But, yeah, de- definitely got a lot to cover in the upcoming weeks. We'll continue on with the weekly show. We'll get into any kind of head coach news that's popping up, and we'll be diving into roster construction what the team can look at internally, what the team can look like, look at externally as free agency is getting close. We'll give you a couple of peeks behind the curtain as we go through the process, show off, you know, show off a few documents that you don't regularly see, get, let everybody get a little peek behind those curtains. And if you do like the show, if you've enjoyed us tonight, please hit that like button. It's very important. It helps the algorithm, helps the show and uh, helps just, Everything can improve along and make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't. If you have and uh make sure you subscribe to Landry's channel, the locker room. Yeah, and go back and just like all my videos. Just go back and like all of them. Please. Wait way too many subscriptions, not enough likes. We got the keep them coming though. Ads rolling and everything. Um and Stutes was in here. Don't forget to subscribe to his channel as well. I think it's at at Stutes One. Oh, yeah, and something else to plug for Cody Stutes. Um, The worst segment in local radio on Friday. Be on the lookout for that. Stutes, put in the comment, what time is that segment that y'all do? Um, The pick segment. Have you ever heard their pick segment? Mm -mm. Dude. I'll have to text him and find out. Dude. Because that's usually when I'm on my way home. Dude. I'm going to keep making fun of him about this until he stops. We were 4-1 and last week, and you were 1-4. and Let's get the pick in. I got to make up two games, so I'm going to go against you. You picked the Giants, so I'm going to pick the Vikings because I got some catching up to do. Oh, goodness. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the worst. Yeah, but he's so uh, mad at me, right? He probably won't talk to me for a week. It's okay. <laughs> but no, I've, I appreciate everybody listening in. Uh, a lot of good comments tonight. Sorry we didn't get to as many uh, questions. I think we covered a lot of ground, probably covered a lot of the questions that folks had in here i know i had a couple of questions on the board about cap space update um i'm waiting for a few more things we just the team just signed all their future players i have a pretty good idea where things are are settling but i, I need another day or two i just finished up all the because nick wants to drive me insane by doing incentives and per game roster bonuses and it takes me a while to compile all those and look at all this. Cry me a river. That's your thing. I know it's my thing, but I'm still going to complain about it. I, Rick Smith and Chris Olden made my life easy. And the Knicks, the Nick came in here with his contract structure and made it not fun. It's still fun, but it's just more difficult. So I'll get a cab space up out. Hopefully by the end of the week, I'll tweet it out um, where things are kind of sitting. I think it's probably going to end up settling around 38, 39 million. And then the effective number will probably be in the high 20s once you cap 
calculate the draft class, things like that. But we'll we'll kind of go through next week or here so next week or two of what moves can be made, what, how the salary cap ramifications are, and where things can head with the with the salary cap and going forward. So we'll get into that as well, and you know we'll cover as much ground as we can. And uh, like I said, I appreciate everybody joining in, Landry. I appreciate the time, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, hit that like button, subscribe, and we will keep at it. And uh, everybody have a good night. And for that, we will shut it down. Thanks. Thanks.